At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hmm? Ah! Huh. Hey, everybody. I'm Rima. And I'm Bake. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the Netflix show Stranger Things. Today we are covering Season 4, Episode 4, Chapter 4, Dear Billy. <laughs> yeah, everyone... That's all I've got is... <laughs> <laughs> everyone let out that collective sigh of, oof, oh, what man. an emotional journey this episode My was. God, I, I, I now I, I get several things again just talking about like not necessarily spoilers but even just like things posted because like even uh-huh. netflix and stranger things was posting a lot of stuff and i remember yes. seeing kind of like a background of like max with this red around her and it was just saying something like warning we're going to show you that scene in three two and i was like okay well i'm going to scroll because i haven't seen that yet but no now kidding. i understand why they were doing that because it is something very powerful that i can see people wanting to go back and rewatch. I, I don't know how many times I can handle rewatching it. We'll talk about it, I am sure, later. And we'll break it down a little bit. But Yeah. Ooh, yeah. And then I remember seeing all the stuff about Kate Bush's running up that hill, deal mm-hmm. with God, like charting like back at like number one or at least really high that it was back on the top charts. And this explains it 100%. I'm like, yeah, no, I get that because I've had to listen to that song every time I finish this episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, roll it back, roll it back. Yeah. I know. Yeah, very appropriate, very appropriate. Yeah, and I thought before this episode that it might have mainly been from the premiere episode when Max is listening to it. She's listening to it at school mm-hmm. um, in her in her headphones. And I thought, oh, well, that's, you know, that's great. It's, it's fun to, you know, have some music from that generation and from the 80s kind of get a little bit of a resurgence from you know um, like Stranger Things or other shows or movies that kind of bring them back a little bit for the newer generation you know Um, Mm -hmm. but no it was I think probably uh, more attributed to this episode for sure Yeah, they picked a hell of a song uh, for, for this so yeah, a lot of thoughts. I know we're, we're probably going to have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, for um, this yes. particular episode. But okay, so I, I feel like I'm getting the vibe that you liked this episode. But oh do you want to do you want yeah. um, <laughs> to just give like your general thoughts about uh, the episode before we jump into our, our top points? Yeah, um, again, we will. I've got notes and we'll get into specifics and, and mm-hmm. a little more deeper thoughts. But yeah, no, I absolutely love this episode. I remember watching it last week as soon as we were done recording yes. and then being like, oh, my God, I cannot wait to talk about this one. I cannot wait to rewatch it and take notes. And get like I was so looking forward to today watching mm-hmm. it again, breaking it down. So it might be the best episode of the entire series for me as of right now. I think it's, it's definitely up there. I think for a lot powerful. of people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I agree. I agree with you. I it's definitely an outstanding episode, and, and not just for this piece. the The entire episode, yeah, there's was really great. There's things. yeah, a lot of great things to to talk about, but definitely just the way that they were able to capture, you know, especially this this moment with Max um, and and what that meant. So very very powerful. Very powerful stuff from the Duffer brothers. Um, they did, a, I think, a fantastic job. And I mean, honestly, there's like f- four major storylines all happening at the same time, you know, yeah. in in the show right now. And you get to see all of them in in this episode. And the way that they're blending all the episodes, or sorry, the storylines and all of these different genres in one episode. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're giving you everything. And I, I'm so here for it. You know, it's it's, and I can't even think of one particular storyline that you know I'm I'm, as I'm watching, I'm not like, oh, hurry up and move along from this one. I want to get back to this storyline. I right. want I, I care about every single storyline. But then once the new one pops up, I'm like, oh yes, let's find out what's happening here and where they're at. And <laughs> so I'm I'm definitely you know engaged and. And wanting to find out in you know each storyline that's happening, like where's the movement, what's happening next, where you know what's going on now. Yeah. So they're doing a great job blending all of these storylines and all of these different genres that they're that they're presenting us. And you know, I, I was a little concerned, like, are they going to have enough meat uh, to contain these longer episodes? You know, you don't want them to drag it out. But man, they're they're doing a great job uh, with yeah. with the pacing. In my opinion. Okay. Well, because I know we've got a lot to talk about, let's go ahead and since we both seem to have um, relayed that we enjoyed the episode and and got a lot out of it, let's go ahead and talk about um, what we thought as far as our main points. Why don't you start us off this week? All right. I think where I want to start, let's let's start with Hopper. Let's catch up with our buddy Hop. (laughs) Um, Please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we learn a little more of this plan because we were wondering like what's what's exactly the plan he's got he's got to figure it out on his own how to get to this uh, plane that Yuri's got and, and what what he's got to do and then so we see Enzo or Antonov kind of telling him what he's got to do where it's up to Hopper to escape the prison camp mm-hmm. and he's got to get to the other side of the forest where there's this little town and there's a church there. That Yuri's using as his drop spot to drop off the the goods and things that he brings over, and so he's got to be able to meet him there to get picked up and taken back. And he gives him the odds of fifty one, fifty to one at first, but then he's like, "No, because you've got to be even, you know, <laughs> cooler than Steve McQueen." So he goes, "No, never mind. I'm giving you a hundred to one." Uh, <laughs> and he yeah. he still works that out. Um, I was looking again the, the nosy friend guard. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not Tom Brooke, but definitely someone who looks very similar to him. I was talking about that last week. Cause again, I was like, yeah, God, I just swear. I think so. But then there's a little more close ups on him, especially when him and Hopper are fighting in the tool shed. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not, but God, he's got a doppelganger. Uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So talk about that. You know, he snaps his sledgehammer, his hammer, whatever to get into the tool shed for a new one. And I, I love the the guy that's standing beside him, the guy that he was hitting his shackles oh, on his ankle and yes, stuff. Yes, the big Russian. Because, 
just like his whole like I can imagine just in casting being like so basically what you do is you just say crazy American over and over again in Russian and you just look exasperated and confused but a little impressed with everything that this guy's doing uh, yeah even when he does like ride off on the snowmobile and the guy's like looking at him like crazy instead of just like oh crazy American he's like crazy American like my hero like he's just like he did it uh which is I think Great. he admired him a little in that yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, you did it, you son of a bitch, you did it. Right. Uh, which is quite a risky plan, but yeah, he's got to figure out how to get out of there. I think his initial plan was just take out the one guard in the tool shed and then, like, sneak away through the forest. Yeah. I think that was, like, the, just the initial plan, but he's got to adapt and change that as he ends up blowing the place up, maybe as a distraction to get away, but still... Another guard catches him riding away on the snowmobile, and it just, the snowmobile so it becomes this. Uh, he's got to, you know, fight a little more fighting, a little more dodging bullets, a little more running, all barefoot and with a jacked up ankle. Oh my gosh! Just right? badass hopper this episode for sure, man. I mean, I get, and and Hopper was one of my smaller points, and and that's so odd to say that, by the way, because, you know, Hopper is obviously a major character, and we always care about what's happening with Hopper, and I always do, but there was so much else going on. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, we've got Hopper over here trying to escape from freaking Russian prison, Uh, so, um, but yeah, he was one of my smaller notes. I mean... The dude is running around barefoot in the freaking freezing cold. I, I don't even want to think about how what the temperatures are. I mean, if it's like 50 here, I'm not wanting to run around barefoot at all, much less right. in the bare-ass snow uh, in, in you know sub-zero temperatures or whatever. And yeah, his busted up foot, ankle, whatever it is. It, looked like I, it, I, it was hard to tell for me exactly where it was yeah. for him. But somewhere on, on his foot or ankle, it's all busted up. I don't know how in the world he was able to land on both feet when he jumped off the, the roof of that little shed. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know how he's doing it. I I get the fact when you're like running on adrenaline that you kind of your body is able to kind of be like blind to the pain. But yeah. I feel like all this time he can't have been like running on adrenaline prior to like he's even walking straight. How is he even walking around, yeah. you know, without hobbling around? I don't Hopper is one tough badass you know for being able yes. to do what he's he's done for sure so ah so so cool and he does find the church where mm-hmm. all the 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 goods are stashed including you know the best america has to offer we got cigarettes peanut butter i, I didn't see any playboys uh there was a pretty great elvira pinup though that was nice i noticed uh, the elvira <laughs> yeah love elvira cool. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, Hopper had a more pleasurable experience with the peanut butter anyway. And I, I get it. I totally get it. It was Jif, too. My peanut butter of choice. Creamy, not crunchy. I get yes, yeah, so, yeah. I was Absolutely. like, okay. Never that's seen the, anyone so, yeah, so in love <laughs> and overjoyed with peanut butter. Poor Hopper. Mm. He's missed just the everyday things that we take for granted you know it's just peanut butter but you know he hasn't had anything like that in what like a year however long he's he's been there in that hell yeah so yeah he's holed up there ready to meet yuri but uh Mm. you know fuck yuri uh traitorous backstabbing garbage pilot uh because i guess it was the the 
was it the KGB he made the deal with, or it was kind of maybe a couple of different parties, but he somehow, you know, back channeled his way into getting a lot more money and keeping that by not just delivering Hopper back to the States, but delivering Hopper back to the uh, KGB or the guards, but also Enzo, you know, Antonov delivering him up as a corrupt guard who was helping smuggle Hopper out. But then he's got, Joyce and Murray, who at least Joyce is wanted by the KGB. Uh, Murray's probably, they probably got eyes on him for all the things he knows. Uh, so he's just probably. got all kinds of goods to, to trade over for a lot more. And I really wanted to like Yuri at first. I was like, he's a super strange, quirky guy who's joking around a lot. Which I was like, that's totally my kind of person, you know, if yeah. he wasn't a total piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's Yuri Murray, Yuri Murray, we rhyme. I <laughs> The bears got into the plane and they... Cr- <laughs> the bears broke his heart. Well, really punctured it. Like, I just... Yuri is great until he's not. Uh, until he's not. Yeah. And I remember last week we just wanted everything good for Hopper. And so the, after this, I'm like, this is some bullshit. Hashtag happiness for Hopper. That's all I want. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Uh yeah, things aren't looking very good at all. Yeah. Yuri was definitely busy on the phone calling up and arranging yeah. and ratting everyone out and and telling them what was what. But, you know, by doing, I mean, I don't know if they, like anyone in the government or whomever it was that he called uh, about his little secret hideout, uh, just know about what he's doing and they don't care. Like they get to benefit from it too. Cause he's bringing things in from America, but he totally just gave up his own little secret, secret hideout, secret stash and kind of gave himself up yeah. too. And and maybe he doesn't care yeah. because Which, Hey, he's rich now. Or if it's right. like, you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Or <laughs> if they're like, well, we don't care. We're going to let you go because you're giving us, you know, yeah. the, the prisoner, as as, a corrupt if cop. If you're just sticking and, to, yeah. Right. Cigarettes, jeans, and peanut butter. Like, you're not actually hurting anybody, and that kind of keeps yeah. morale up whenever you're smuggling things in. What's a little, you know, <laughs> right. uh, contraband when you can turn in, you know, um, a, like I said, a, a prisoner, a corrupt guard, and someone who's wanted by the KGB? So maybe yeah. they'll, they'll look the other way for whatever. But yeah, he was, he was busy uh, for sure. And man, I'm just like can't catch a freaking break you know i thought when hopper was able to escape the tool shed because the the nosy guard found you know him trying to escape and he had to get out of that situation i mean when he came in behind him i'm like oh my god of course he found him um and then he mm-hmm. managed to get out and, not, and barely you know he really had to to kind of on the fly come up with a plan to get out of there and get a distraction by blowing it up and uh, getting out of there and then you thought all right we're home free and then they freaking find him there it's like how the hell is he going to get out of this how you know um you just can't catch a freaking break i don't know how in the world right. he's going to get out of that situation i mean he's surrounded literally by all these guards i know he looked over to the window and that's kind of all that we saw the camera kind of cut away so I'm like, I don't know, Hopper, you can try going out that window, mm-hmm. but I feel like you're 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 pretty surrounded. Um, so yeah. I don't know. But I'm like, gosh damn it, can't catch freaking So break. close. I just I want <laughs> Hopper out of this freaking jail and I don't want him out of freaking Russia like yesterday. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I'm right. I'm I'm ready to move on from this storyline from him. Like I want Hopper around. I want, but I want him back in the states, and I want him back with Joyce and Murray, and back with the kids, and trying to figure out what the hell's going on. You know, Eleven's gone. Yeah. You know, he needs to be back home and and helping figure yeah. out this shit that's happening. You know, in in Hawkins right now. So I, I'm ready to kind of get out of there, but um. I guess we're going to have to wait a little bit for that. Yeah. It's frustrating because it's like, God, he just can't catch a freaking break. And if he gets locked up again, I mean, I mean, they're going to like put him in a place where he cannot get out. You know, I mean, right. he was already at one of the worst prisons, you know, that was, you know, supposed to be, you know, kind of escape proof, I guess. Um, maybe not escape proof, but pretty harsh and isolated, I guess. Yeah. Ugh. And yeah, I don't know where he goes from here. <laughs> I don't know either. But it was pretty admirable anyway, at least the fact that he was able to get out and the fact that he had to do it all on his own. Because Enzo was like, yep, yep. you know, I'm, I'm going to get you the transportation, but how you get there and get out of here is all up to you. You got to come up with the plan. Yeah. So I think he had a good plan and it would have worked had Yuri not um, betrayed him. I guess you can't yeah. trust a smuggler. Mm-hmm douche yeah that was his, oh, when he's talking to Enzo that was he's like so he's a criminal and he's just like well who else do you want it's like well maybe somebody who's got some kind of a backbone I don't know uh, <laughs> kind of you know have some integrity be an honest criminal right. you know what happened what mm-hmm. happened to that uh, well let's see I let's talk a little bit about I talked about all of these storylines all happening at one time and that is one of them is the hopper uh, storyline there escaping from jail but let's talk a little bit about the california or buyer's boys mm-hmm. storyline um was, yep, i've got that as one of my points with the, the cali boys so that yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> out in california there we go so they after they took 11 owen's you know, tries to, he leaves a couple of his people behind, kind of explaining what's going to be happening here. They're going to leave a couple of guys, you know, left behind, left. And it's like, I don't know. They're, they're just kind of like, well, how long is this going to go on for? Because, you know, like they've taken off with 11 and she's got to go regain her powers. And they're like, well, how long is that going to take? Well, we don't know. Could be weeks, could be months. And I'm thinking, months? Y'all going to be sitting here for. <laughs> For months. How long is Mike supposed to be there anyway? I don't know. Exactly. Like, I'm pretty sure his parents are going to be asking, why is he not back from spring break? You know, is this supposed to be Mm -hmm. a week-long kind of trip or whatever? Um, And then supposedly, anyway, what they think, anyway, is that Joyce is going to be back within, what, a couple of days or something. So what are we doing here? Uh, But anyway, we, we get a couple of what looked to be stereotypical mustache couch potato cops uh, left behind there to, to watch them. And of course they're, they get this plan together. Like we have, we've, we've got to get out of here. You know, this is, this is, there's people that we care about. We can't just sit here and do nothing. You know, this isn't going to work. And then of course, you know, when, just when you think that, you know, it's, uh, you know, someone else popping up to the door uh, with the pizza, um, oh, Argyle, you know, you think it's Argyle at the door mm-hmm. and nope, it's, it's, it's the other people. I'm guessing the Lieutenant Colonel, I'm guessing probably sent after them 
But I don't know why everybody had to go out shooting. I don't know. Maybe it's just because they started pulling their guns out. I don't know. I guess you see a gun and you got to start a little shooting. Intense. Yeah, I mean, because the, well, the one soldier kind of started it by Kenobiing the situation. You know, hello there. Uh, and then he, he's <laughs> the first one that fired. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, they. It escalated it quickly. Like these soldiers came in to kill. It was pretty intense. It was intense. Uh, um. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that that's who who sent them, but that, that was pretty aggressive. Uh, so, yeah, the the one cop gets taken out, and then all of a sudden, this dude I don't even remember their names, and that's a shame yeah. because they deserve some recognition. I mean, the one dude got taken out pretty fast, but this dude, this whole sequence was insane. Uh, yeah, you were talking about different genres in this episode. Like, I can't recall seeing like this level of like, like a like war or like spy kind of like shootout scene like this with a lot of really great gunfight choreography uh-uh. and things. That that was kind of new for this show, and I thought they pulled it off immaculately. I was like, this is incredible to watch. This is this is so new for this show, but I love it. It was. I thought very different for this show. I have never seen uh, for Stranger Things uh, 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 a scene like this before. It was like something out of Call of Duty is what it reminded me of. It was like a John Wick Wick film or something out of Call of Duty is all I could uh, kind of uh, relate it to. It it was such a great scene, the whole sequence. And it was all a single shot with – I. I haven't looked it up because, again, I'm not looking up anything right now while while we're still mm-hmm. um, uh, on these episodes because I don't want to be spoiled. So I'll have to look it up later if I can. It looked to me like it was a single shot without any cuts. Now, if the cuts were there, mm-hmm. I didn't notice them. I know that you can get like two or three single shots and put them together, but I don't know. I'll have to look to see if it was a true single shot or not. But my gosh, it was Sean Levy that directed this episode. And he did amazing. The whole sequence was mm-hmm. was really great. Um, but it was so cool because, you know, like I said, it, you get these stereotypical guys that look like couch potatoes. One second, they're just lounging, like watching golf. And all of a sudden, this dude is taking out these dudes with machine guns. And it was so insane. And then you've got the kids, you know, that are ducking and they're trying to get out of the way. And Will was like freaking out the entire time. He showed so much emotion just in his facial expressions. Like he didn't even have yeah. to speak. It was just all Full there in on his panic face. Mode. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that that to me was such an amazing scene. And of course, then Argyle does show up there at the end and uh, take off with them. Um, but it was, uh, you know, a couple of funny moments there with Argyle showing up thinking there's a party happening without him. Yeah. And then they all run off and we don't we don't get any follow up from that point. They're kind of off escaping these these people with guns. And and a, another uh, buyer's house absolutely destroyed. Like, yeah. What is it about that the buyers can't seem to have um, their house intact for one season? I'm not sure what's going on. It's with, not with a that. buyer's market, but um, 
Um, no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But I, I love this whole thing. It was completely different. It was straight up action, and it was so mm-hmm. it was fun to watch. It was interesting. It was absolutely insane. I loved that they completely subverted my expectations with those. Um, FBI yeah. cop guys, whoever they were, because I did not expect them to turn out to be like badasses. And this dude to go into John Wick mode and just start taking out all these other mm-hmm. guys. And that single shot was just absolutely amazing. I love seeing uh, shots like that and how they can pull that off. It was just yep. absolutely brilliant. And I think it was great. And it was interesting little piece here in the middle of of everything else that's going on that it was almost like I forgot what I was I forgot that I was like watching Stranger Things for like a few minutes while Mm -hmm. this was going on I was like uh what am I watching right now because again like you said we don't get scenes like this um with this type of action in in this show so I forgot for about 30 seconds however long this this was uh what I was watching but it was so great super fun but but yeah, now we're going to see where these boys end up and if they are able to get, I mean, are they driving? Are they driving back to Indiana? I mean, bring our guy in it. Like, we're just going to go to Indiana now. Just deal with it. <laughs> I mean, look, this is not a short drive. Okay. Uh, for anyone who's, who's familiar, um, that's, that's at least a full day, if not two, I think two days, two to three. Yeah. It's a long one. If you if you actually stop to sleep anyway, uh, not continuous, but it's at least a, a, a two day. But anyway, I I thought that was a, such a great piece in the storyline. I love that they're getting up and taking action, and they're they're like not just going to sit there and and wait, which I didn't think that we expected them to. But I, I loved how we got them motivated. Yeah. So. Okay, what is your next point? I'll go ahead and just add on to that. Like I said, that was one of my points, so I've got some extra notes on that. Excellent. Uh, Just kind of, uh, besides just that scene of, you know, the firefight and everything, which was cool, but everything also going around that, just kind of the story of, like I said, the Cali boys, (laughs) catching up with what is going on with them. Uh, I remember last week wondering, like, are these agents going to fill them in? And I was like, oh, yeah, immediately, that's what we do, right? As soon as the episode starts. Okay, that's Mm -hmm. good. At least they can tell them whatever little bit that they know. I mean, they not going to tell them where L is currently. They can't really fill them in on a whole lot of information, but they just know it's like, we just got to keep you under wraps here. So everybody's safe, which, you know, so they have to stay quiet about things until L is ready to do whatever she's supposed to do. And again, it's like, um, you know, Mike's only supposed to be there for like a week. So, mm-hmm. you know, and if Joy's supposed to be home soon, they're going to dump everything on her and how are they going to keep things quiet when it's like, yeah, we're just, Mike's just gonna stay there for indeterminate amount of time, and we don't. Mike, Mike lives yeah. with us now. It's just yeah. when I'm gonna phone home and be like, just, Mike just lives with us now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I like that the the one agent, the the woman agent there. Again, I didn't catch names. I didn't look. Up I, I'm terrible. It's it's hard because even like either. with small details, I was like, I could easily look this up. Stranger Things, but but I'm so terrified of any spoilers that I won't do it. I'm terrified uh, so, to put anything in my browser that has anything to do with Stranger Things or any yeah. of the actors. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Don't blame you. But she gives Mike this note from Elle, which kind of will help with them trusting the, the agents. And that that, my, that note says, you know, Dear Mike, I have gone to become a superhero again from Elle, which is great. Very mm. personal. There's the superhero reference to their conversation, you know, where he says, you're a superhero. And she's like, I, I, you know, not anymore. But she says she's gone to be again. 
but then especially yeah, ending it from L after their whole from, from Mike from Mike. It's yeah. it's a great way of knowing it is definitely from L. Like this is a personal letter because there's some personal uh, kind of barbs in it, but they're there so Mike knows for sure that that's who it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm living for the fact that L has found time with everything going on. Like the world could be ending, but she's found time to be a, a, a petty bish. Um, by signing it from l right yeah so much was said in in few few words um you tell him 11 that's what i say Mm -hmm. yeah and then you say yeah these lounging agents that are there i was like man such hard work these guys got to do right and just sit around and watch tv and ignore these kids Mm -hmm. uh order some pizza as murray said yeah as murray said in a a previous episode these kids tend to get involved uh so they're not going to sit around (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they kind of put with a plan. You know, Jonathan plans to call Surfer Boy and get Argyle to come, and you know they'll hitch a ride with him. I guess they're just like, yeah, Argyle will do it. <laughs> just let's just assume he's in on it. Uh, why not? He's a, he's and a good I friend. Love, yeah, I love Mike and Will having their moments in this episode. Where then the first one they talk about was like, you know, do you trust Owens? And he's like, nah, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't able to save me, but it was you guys that saved me. So it looks like it's going to have to be up to us again. I love that they come to that uh and then of course later them having that really great moment together where they kind of clear the air of the awkwardness and things that have happened kind of in their relationship where mike says you know we're we're gonna have to do this as a team as friends as best friends and i think it was really a a precious moment with them of course i did clock again that after that conversation will grabs his painting on the way out again i'm like i'm very intrigued and i need to know what's going on here uh (laughs) just curious I'm curious. I'm a little worried, though, about this painting. Is mm-hmm. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, but yeah, shit hits the fan very quickly, like 30 minutes or less fast. Uh, just crazy. Yeah, and then we, we talked about that scene, which was so great. And then, yeah, and then Argyle's just in a getaway driver thrown into it. I love he's like, <laughs> fire's throwing a party without me. Not cool, man. Like, I don't... I don't think you want an invite to that one. No, you'd uh, <laughs> be glad you got left out of that one, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. But so the last little bit that's kind of uh, attached to that is them calling for pizza. Uh, Argyle answering the phone. Because it's funny that I decided to call that number last week. Because the voicemail or the recording that we got was the lines from this episode when Argyle answers the phone. So we we got a little sneak peek uh, on accident. A little sneak peek. <laughs> yes, gonna, we did. Uh which is kind of funny, uh, and I, I don't care who disagrees with me. You're entitled to being wrong if you want to be, but uh, I fully agree with Argyle. Uh, I, too, highly recommend slapping some of that juicy pineapple on your pie. Fruit on pizza is gnarly. I say try before you deny. Because literally bacon and pineapple is the best pizza, hands down. I will take no further questions at this time. Thank you. Uh- <laughs> I'm going to have to respectfully disagree, <laughs> but I respect... <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> I am. I'm not a fan of the pineapple on pizza, but again, uh, pizza is a personal choice, and I respect all choices. Uh-huh. Pizza is amazing. Yes, no matter what's on it. No matter. I've had some, almost always honestly, what's on fr- it. <laughs> not to open that whole can. <laughs> come on, come on, people. I mean, I'm a big foodie, but come on, fruit on pizza. Yes, it's okay. And it doesn't have to be just pineapple. I've had a great like. Like honey and apples hmm. on, on pizza, with like some like like a light like a like a brie cheese or something like with 
No well, sauce, no tomato sauce. Like you, you can you can get you playful can, with pizza. You can get it's playful. A, it's a canvas. It's, it's it's look. I'm not fig fig figs fruit right. Fig mm-hmm. is a fruit. I've had fig and goat cheese pizza. Yeah, that was pretty Delicious. good. I just don't <laughs> think I'm thrill it, it could be fantastic pineapple and ham or pineapple and bacon that's it's probably good i just don't know that i can do it i don't know <laughs> it's it's a thing for me i get it it's uh, my own personal block here that i'm unable to overcome <laughs> but i respect everyone's choice and i will not judge anyone because pizza is amazing um yes yeah it, that was a fun <laughs> little sneak peek i was giggling when that scene came up because I was like, that is literally when Pake dialed in and played that number. It was not a spoiler, though. I mean, it was we, did, we, we didn't know that, but yeah. uh, it wasn't, I don't think, anything that gave anything away. So that was no totally fun. Um, did you have anything else to say about, about that? No, I think that, yeah, we kind of covered most oh, okay. of Yeah, because then yeah, the only notes I had, yeah, then was just that shootout scene and how incredible that was and unique that was, but we, we covered that. So we're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> super, super fun, super unique scene, especially for this show. They did a really great job. Great acting, great direction uh, from everyone. Those are hard mm-hmm. to shoot, you know, especially the one shot. You can't just stop all the time. If you stop, you got to start over <laughs> and that's <Yeah>. not easy. <laughs> well, I, I have a small point to kind of add, add to that as we're talking about, Will. I I'm with you. Just to add that I was really glad that we had the scene with Will and Mike. It was breaking my heart to see that disconnect with them and to see how far they had strayed. You know, those two had been so close. Um, What was it in a previous season? uh, They, I think, since kindergarten had have been best friends like they met didn't know each other until they met in kindergarten and ever since then have been best friends and they were when we met them in season one they were in seventh grade i believe uh or sixth grade sixth grade seventh grade middle school we'll say so they they've been friends for and best friends for a long time as always mike and will were the two best so it was really hard to see those two going through this disconnect and you know i get it there's growing pains and you know you you know, start growing and having different interests. And of course it's harder with them uh, being apart, uh, living apart. So it was great to see them, like you said, kind of come, you know, back together as friends. It was still hard to tell. I know we've had some speculation in regards to Will and, you know, if he's kind of crushing on Mike and I, you know, I'm curious, I want to add, add to that i feel like there we're definitely getting a lot of signs from the writers i don't know that it's like i don't care if if will is is gay or not and it may or may not have anything to do with the storyline but i wonder if maybe it does because i'm i'm still leaning towards the fact that um i i think that maybe he is um and only because we're dealing with in the show we keep talking about vecna and how he seems to to seek when he's doing his little I don't know what you want to call it but when he's out there like doing that search of people's like yeah. minds and thoughts and feelings or whatever and he's looking for people uh with like guilt and shame and trauma I am afraid for Will uh mm-hmm. Will 
could be very vulnerable to Vecna. I mean, if anybody has suffered through trauma, it's been Will, right? Look at his trauma from season one, from being in the upside down and uh, everything that he went through. He had additional trauma in season two, uh, being uh, possessed by the Mind Flayer. So everything that he's been through, he's been through a lot of trauma. I wonder if also the guilt and shame part uh, could be from if he is gay, and right. I, I mean, don't think the, not the not the easiest time I was in say, the 80s for somebody. Right. I mean, even I, nowadays, it's still not easy for everybody. And it is so not easy. Um, and I and I, I certainly don't feel anyone who is gay should feel shame or guilt. But I know it can be attributed, right. and and that can be some feelings that that people have. And I mean, you can you can have that. It doesn't matter what your um, you know what your feelings are honestly everybody can can have that but it during this time in in the 80s as it was looked upon as you know shameful um you know i wonder if that could attribute to you know will being more vulnerable so i i wonder and worry about him if if they do make it back to hawkins that he could be then susceptible to this all over again. And I'm just thinking as yeah. if this kid hasn't suffered enough. Now we've got to add to it. Right. Uh, that he could be, you know, just as vulnerable as, 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 you know, like Max or um, Fred and Chrissy that we've seen so far. I don't know what was up with. Well, I was just trying to think of that basketball player that we saw. He got the nosebleed in that one episode. Yeah. And I don't know everything that happened with him, but it sounds like he what had pressure from his father. Was it? Yeah, um, the, I, I mentioned it. Yeah, last week. Yeah, or was it two weeks? I don't remember. Whatever episode, it all mushes together. It's but all that's blending. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's because with the captions are great. Uh, I do, I never watch with captions on the first watch because I just try to really just be in the moment. It. Always yeah. on second watch when I'm doing notes, is I always have the captions on, which I've noticed. There's a lot of squelching and chittering in this show. Um, a lot of still <laughs> a lot of damn wet squelching. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but with the captions with patrick i think that kid was as you can hear his father's voice saying you oh you're drunk again and it was kind of this whole like you know you're i think he even said like you know you're an embarrassment to the family you're ashamed of the family something like that because i guess he's always out drinking and partying and not really present and it's kind of one of those you're better than this you're you know kind of whole thing so that that's kind of what i got from that that makes sense um so yeah, he's he's got something going on too that's also making him vulnerable. But anyway, it seems to be at least within the region of the Hawkins area, you're more susceptible. Yeah. Maybe Vecna's not reaching out as far as like where Will is at. So Will, I feel like coming back to Hawkins, which I feel like that's probably what they're going to do soon, uh, just mm-hmm. makes him more vulnerable with, with everything that he's got going on and potentially yeah. maybe being gay that you know, kind of comes the feelings that come with that, especially in that day and age. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried uh, for him and, you know, I'm afraid, you know, we keep seeing this painting that we haven't seen yet. What the hell is this painting? And it's like the fact that he keeps missing opportunities to show it to Mike. Is he ever going to get that opportunity to show it to Mike? Mm Mm-hmm. Is, is what I'm fearful of. It feels like a little foreshadowing or something and that he took it right. with him. I don't know. Just 
I'm kind of, I keep coming up with these weird thoughts as I'm watching, and I, I feel like I'm going to be about ninety percent wrong probably on so many things, but just just my feelings on everything uh, at the yeah. moment. So uh, that was mine. What's your next point? All right. Um, let's see. Next one. Because I still do, you know, even though we're kind of like just points versus numbers, I still have everything kind of, I like doing kind of the five, four, three, two, one, where I yeah, save really totally. important stuff for the end. I don't know why, but it's just kind of fun to hit, you know, on a big note. Hit the highs, so, um, yeah. So uh, I'll still kind of stay, quote unquote, smaller. But again, there's not really anything small because every story is so important and incredible and powerful in a lot of ways. So I just want to talk about the character of Victor Creel. Um, yes, he's my next we, one. Let's dive into it. Nice. We were introduced to him, got to see him, uh, you know, and now everybody else kind of is in on him too. Uh, you know, what's going on? We get Steve and them trying to figure out what this whole Vecna thing is and how it's tied to Creel, you know, well, why then? And then not for 30 years. And then again now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Mama Steve sternly humbling Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> but yes, we get Victor Creel. Uh, when Nancy and Robin go to visit him, which I've got more information on them that I will have to say as a separate point. Uh, we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But I just wanted to really focus on Creel, which love the reveal of Robert England playing <sighs> Victor Creel. Perfect. Just perfect. I mean, you know, Freddy Krueger himself being the man in this show who is haunted by his nightmares. You know? Uh, <laughs> that, thank you. That's a no. poetry. It's, hey, thank you. That's exactly in, in my line as well. Um, I said there in, in my note, there's something poetic about Robert England's character being yes. tortured by nightmares. <laughs> yep. Thank uh-huh. you, thank you, thank you for this casting and for this way that they've written this character and that being uh, a big part of it. I thought this is just freaking perfect. Yeah, it's... Oh, it's so good. And then, you know, so we see this Robert England, and then we get another reveal character wise that when he turns around to talk to Nancy and Robin, that we see that he is like gouged out and cut out his own eyes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And man, it's, they don't hold anything back this season. And no, that was I, pretty. I do enjoy that. Yeah, I appreciate it, but boy, that was pretty grotesque. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when they start talking with him, once he kind of trusts them, when they're talking about, you know, we think it's back and we just want this information. And he does. He sits and gives them the, his, you know, story and we get it in like flashback form with him narrating, which was super cool. I liked that. Wasn't uh-huh. I liked how they told that instead of just, you know, him sitting in a cell that we got that flashback. That was impactful. Yeah. Because we get to see a young Victor Creel played by Kevin L. Johnson, our very own Sam Dermody Sam from Ozark. So. Ozark, <laughs> yes, that we just covered. Oh, it was, I was—I had to like blink a couple times. Like, is that yeah. Sam? Uh-huh. That's so odd. After we just covered that, but anyway. Yeah. So that that was cool. But yeah, we get Victor and his family moving into this really nice house after it seems they like inherited a bunch of money from his wife's uncle. Uh. And then after a month, strange things, stranger things start happening. Uh, <laughs> As they course, do. You know, dead animals left around. Yeah. At first it's like these dead animals and stuff. And then of course the, the hallucinations and the visions, the, the living nightmares, as he calls them, that we've kind of come to know from Vecna. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, the spider faucet and all kinds of, yeah, just those things. Uh, and we find out that Victor's visions that he's attacked with are tied up in real life guilt from times as we know, it's like, yeah, that's kind of Vecna's MO is it's his guilt from when he was a soldier in France and he calls a, a shelling, a strike on this house. It's a wrong place. You know, where innocent people were killed. He says, I, I thought there were German soldiers inside. It turns out there weren't. And so the most disturbing image that keeps coming to him is this baby in a crib on fire, which so is very predominant there in his visions because, I mean, that's that's what happened. And it's horrific. And then we get that night that he was accused of murder on where, you know, his wife Virginia was killed in that familiar Vecna way. And then as he's trying to escape, he's taken into a vision. But then the voice of an angel pulls him out and he's actually able to come back from reality and escape his own fate. But when he does return, he sees his children's fate daughter, the same of his, as his wife. But I did take note that his son was different that his said, instead of his son kind of being broken and, and crumpled like the other two, that he was just in a coma and then said he died uh, a while later. So I, I did notice there was a difference in that. I thought was interesting. Um, and of course, then, yeah, that there's a separate voice and them trying to figure out, well, what was that? Is there another entity, another something? And then they put things together that, no, the voice that he heard was the voice of one Ella Fitzgerald, because that's where they put together this, like, you know, familiar music is what saved him from Vecna, pulled him back into reality, which is what gives him the idea that that could possibly be what helps Max as well. But, so man, good. what a what a backstory. Because we got little pieces of it in the past episodes, but then to really see it played out and told and narrated by Robert England was was really cool. Robert England was just so great. I don't know if we'll see him again or not. I don't know if that was just mm. enough. I know he, yeah, you know, I don't know if he served his purpose or not, but I, I really, really loved the buildup. And it felt like when they were walking down into the asylum, down in that basement, did, was it just me or did we all get a little homage to Silence of the Lambs? I have that exact <laughs> note. I was like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't watch that scene without thinking about a certain Silence of the Lambs scene. And I was like, uh, that's forever burned in my brain. Why? Why? <laughs> yes. Well, probably yeah. a, a lot of that plus Migs. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that scene is Clarice is walking down to Lecter's. It was even the last cell on the left, like Lecter's yep. cell uh -huh. was. <laughs> I mean, and Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite, favorite movies. I think it's just so beautifully done. Um, and obviously Hannibal Lecter's a, I love that character. But anyway, definitely got some big Silence of the Lambs vibes, you know, the lighting. It's a lot of... It, yeah, walking down. Great homage. Yeah. yeah. And I know Silence of the Lambs was not an 80s film. It was, what, 1991? Mm-hmm. 91? Um, I'd have to look that up. I don't have it in front yeah. of me right now. But um, I know it was in the 80s, but it was still but, cool because yeah. I feel like that is where they got some inspiration from. Not everything has yeah, to be 80s call, inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, what you could call just classic horror. Classic or, horror. You know, they dark, are... Dark things like that. Because even... Here's one that's definitely not 80s. This is from before the 80s. But I was just thinking about it. Like, I've thought about it the past couple of weeks, and I just hadn't taken a note of it. So I was like, while I'm doing notes on references to, to classic stuff, throw this one in. I mean, the character of Eddie Munson 
has got to be a reference to Eddie Munster. Like that's that's what you're doing, right? Like I mean, yeah. It felt like there was some vibes there for Eddie Munster, you know, Eddie Munson. It was a little too yeah. on the nose a little bit. You're right. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's maybe, maybe not. Um but yeah, that it, it was great. The walk down the stairs, uh the girls acting or asking to talk to him alone, you know, thinking he'll be more open without them there. Uh, the lighting, the darkness, the list of rules, it was all perfect. Just very much like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, so great. Yeah. And then, of course, getting to see the introduction. I mean, we didn't even... I, I've I've been such a big fan of Robert England since the original Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984 uh, that I only had to see his profile, and I knew who it was. I mean, uh-huh. so fantastic. And his he's got such a great speaking voice. Uh, as he was speaking mm-hmm. and narrating, and when he would get upset and his voice got a little aggressive, there was a little bit of a Freddy. I could hear a little bit of Freddy in there. It yeah. was so good. Uh, again, just I'm just I don't know. It was just so exciting, just so thrilling to see to see him. <laughs> uh, so as he's as he's going through um, and and retelling the story to Robin um, and Nancy. And he's talking about his living nightmare. And he talks about, so what I want to pull out of this is, since you've covered it, and this is also one of my points, when he talks about coming back, and he's back at his house, and uh, he had seen his wife killed. That was, you know, he'd seen that, and that's when he was trying to get the kids out. And as he was trying to get the kids out, he was swept back into that living nightmare, as he calls it. And then when he comes back, his his poor little girl uh, had died uh, uh, very much like his wife, but his daughter or his son, we didn't see his son in the same shape. Like, um, you know, we, we see yeah. the, the eyes sucked back from the skull. We see the bones crackling and the disfigured limbs. We see his, his wife ends up like that. We see his daughter on the floor. And when we cut to the son, we just got like this back shot where they peel back and his son is I'm. I don't know. I. I again. I have these. Yeah. Well, that's what I mentioned earlier when he it's says it's different. It's different. Yeah. Well, he, when he says, you know, and then my son was in a coma for a little while, and then he died later. And I, I took note of that. I mentioned that earlier because I was like, yeah, that is, that's a little outside of the regular mo. So it was exactly. something different that I had to take note of. So. So something was wrong with his son, and he was in a coma, and he died. But did he? Did he die? His son is the one that told his dad that something was off about the house. He Mm -hmm. said, my son Henry, he was sensitive. What other young man did we know that was sensitive in this story of Stranger Things? Will. Will's Mm -hmm. a sensitive child. Um, And that's why I'm like, I I still don't know for sure that, that, you know, just kind of talking about Will, that Will is gay. He could just be very, we know he is a sensitive boy. He could just be very sensitive. He yeah. could be very sensitive to his feelings with Mike, and he could just really be missing his best friend. He may not be crushing on him, and mm-hmm. he may not be gay. But anyway, Will, you know, Joyce, right. when she would talk about Will, always talked about what a, a, a sensitive soul he was. And so I'm thinking there's connections, I think. I don't know what. I can't, I don't have enough information to put it together yet. Um, but I feel like there's connections there to Henry and how he was to will because they were also talking about 
these strange things that was happening around the house, these dead animals started showing up. And the cops were like, oh, it was just a bobcat. And he's like, this was no bobcat. This was evil incarnate. Could his son Henry maybe have been possessed in some way by Vecna, making him do things like animal mutilation? I mean, maybe not. Maybe it really was just Vecna. But this is kind of the first that we're hearing about that. We haven't heard of anything since Vecna has returned in this timeline with Mm -hmm. Chrissy, uh, with Fred, that there's been any signs of animal mutilation or anything like that it's just like the symptoms that the kids are experiencing these visions and hallucinations living nightmares and then they die after a certain amount of time um so what's up with 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 this and how does henry who didn't didn't die right away he went to a coma and they said he died i just don't know that i 100 percent believe that he died we didn't get to see him actually suffer what his sister and his mother suffered through so what happened to him was you know, we know everyone else was horribly killed, but he didn't. He wasn't. What was different about his son? And I don't know that I fully yeah. believe that he really died. If if I if I didn't see him dead, like, you know, because what did he die of? I mean, he was in a coma and then he died. What what did he die of? So I don't know right. that I fully believe. So there's something I think peculiar about his son Henry, and I think he's kind of maybe key to some of this i don't know mm-hmm. my crazy rants <laughs> yeah i don't know like i said I'm just my mind is spinning um anyway that that was what i wanted to add to that because krill was in this you know whole introduction to this character robert england was just absolute perfection that was what i wanted to add to that um what's your next one all right. Well, then, connected to that, um, let's talk more Ruth and Rose, Nancy and Robin. Uh, <laughs> Dynamic duo. God, they're so good. <laughs> yes. Just new dream team of the century. I I, I love it. Uh, they've got this in posing as psychology students as so they can get into Penhurst to try to interview Creel. Uh, of course, Steve is mad that he's not involved in this part because he's always the goddamn babysitter. Um, <laughs> Poor Steve. Yeah. And I, I love Robin having a blast inspecting Nancy's bedroom and just learning all the things she can about Nancy. Like, oh, you have a Tom Cruise poster. Oh, my God, you have a Tom Cruise poster. Uh, <laughs> She's so There's a little adorable. ballerina in it. Um, <laughs> She's the best. It's, I love her. It's great. And then, of course, Robin just hating every single second of being dressed up. I was like, girl, I feel you. I, I mean, feel I that. Haven't worn any, I haven't worn any frilly dresses, at least not in a long time. Uh, but I'm not a fan of dressing up myself in any way. Uh, comfort always. I'm with you, Robin. Why would I? Yeah, don't, don't want to do it. And so I love that that comes back as they're, they're talking to Hatch. And Nancy's doing the whole kind, professional approach. And it's just not working and so robin steps up and i was like hell yeah go off um Mm -hmm. she just thinks quickly and goes into this like just the best spiel uh you know how they did apply but they were rejected and ignored because they're women and and then she's getting some real stuff off her chest but then she's also able to spin spin this like improv backstory about how she became uh you know interested in criminal psychology based on creole that i was at a camp and you know, little Petey McHughie was, you know, or whatever his name was. <laughs> Petey McHugh was sobbing because he heard the stories of Creole, but it kept me up at night because I had to know what was in the mind. Of, and she's just like 
pulling this out of nowhere and she's so good uh it worked and it was awesome and <laughs> nancy even gives her a little high five as i walk out in the hallway which is like you can tell nancy's impressed like oh oh damn you're you got this you're, yes <laughs> you are in charge here i i love that scene so much i i literally both times i just clapped at I the end too. of it and i was like hell yeah robin <laughs> i did too she was amazing um, <laughs> yeah so hatch takes them down to see creel uh gives them some vital plot information with the music being a huge key to brain stimulus, which is very true. There is music therapy and things like that. I have looked into a lot of that stuff in the past. It's something that uh, intrigues me and uh, interests me a lot. I think it's really cool how, you know, it's great for like Alzheimer's patients and dementia patients and stuff like that mm-hmm. is you can play some of their favorite songs from back in the day that music is tied to memory and they're able to recall specific memories of certain times with certain people because of the music connection to it. Yeah. So yeah, that stuff is really cool. Uh, was so really I love cool. that they include that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe you can help me with this one. I was a little confused. I thought it was strange that Hatch does allow them to speak to Victor alone because yeah, me too. he makes that decision after they've made him suspicious where Robin calls professor Brantley Professor Bradley calls him the wrong name, mm-hmm. and then you, can, you see them kind of stuttering a little bit to try to catch themselves back up with their lie. And we then know that Hatch then leaves them so he can go upstairs and call Professor Brantley. Yes, and and kind of confirm his suspicions and set the record straight. So then, what I didn't get, I was like, well, instead of being like, I'm going to call your professor and you know just make sure. But instead, he lets them go in to speak with Victor alone anyway, unsupervised. And I'm like, suspension of disbelief a little bit on that one. I'll, I'll give him a little bit. It's like, you, we got to get the plot there somehow. But it was strange to me just as like a realist thinking about it. Like, would he have really left them in at it? Or would he just pulled the plug and be like, you know what? Let's go back out. I'm going to call your professor and just make sure things are good. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think I'm... <sighs> going to be any help because i'm kind of with you i'm like you you can yeah. see that he's definitely doubting them then when robin uh had forgotten the name of the professor and then they try to backpedal like oh no no that's what you meant right yeah 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 and he's mm. looking down like uh-huh you know and but mm. i mean i don't know yeah. if he i don't really know what he was thinking maybe he was thinking that there wasn't going to be any harm or whatever but i mean it seems like if you're keeping patients down in this dungeon that no one's allowed to visit and they can't ever come out then why would you let two young girls go question them alone so i get that he's just like yeah you go ahead and go do that i'm gonna go call and verify your story um yeah it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me but like you said i we had to get there somehow so yeah. I'm not really sure. I mean, he has a line whenever he comes back in to confront them after. He's like, was he everything you wanted him to be? And it's like, is that what he's trying to do? Is just like, I'll show them by letting them talk to a criminally insane person. And maybe they'll be scared. But like, right. Obviously, there's a reason they want to be there. So, like, they're they're still getting what they want. I don't know. Right. Just yeah. Maybe he... like, do you think, okay, buy time to, like, get the police there already? But no, because they're still not even there yet. So it's a little weird. <laughs> maybe he didn't think they'd last as long as they did or something, you know, thinking that 
they'd be more scared than what they were. I mean, yes, they were probably scared, but they didn't come running out like, ah, get me out of here or something. You know, I, I'm not sure what, cause I'm like, would you really, would you really, if you started then to have your suspicions, go ahead and let two young girls that you can't verify who they are or why they are there, go ahead in and speak to a, 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 who they say anyway i don't think victor krill is is mentally um insane like he was um judged as or convicted as but uh you know they assume that he is uh would you really allow that um probably not or at least especially not unsupervised so it we had to get there. I, I think, yeah, we had to probably yeah. suspend our disbelief just a little bit. There's that. so much <laughs> incredible greatness of this episode that I can overlook that. And be like, I can let that go. <laughs> I can let that go. Yeah. Yeah. And I it like really when they're being fine. escorted out, you know, back to the office, so, you know, to wait on the police. And they have to walk back through that courtyard, which, <laughs> again, was something that set up there. Like, can't, the, can't they just escape? And he's like, yeah, it's fully open and they could leave, but... They don't because they want to be here because it's a better, happier place for them. And so it is, you know, to plant that little seed again, like the music was like, well, that's going to come back because that's where they're like, yeah, we can just easily run away from this courtyard because yes. we've already established that it's easy to just leave from no here. No walls. It's Which open. I love when, mm-hmm. yeah, when Nancy goes, I think we can beat him. And Robin goes, what? It's to the car. Because the first time I watched it, it was that same thing. Robin and I are probably on the same wavelength. because like, you want to beat up the hatch? guy like you want to beat him up is that what you're doing nancy it's like no no we're just gonna run um <laughs> jump him get him um <laughs> uh but yeah they were able to get back to the car I was like you you are a weird runner uh <laughs> but yeah they she get back to the to car they're driving her. off and yeah dustin's able to reach them it's now or never code red finally uh and luckily they do have a good idea you know what's your favorite song uh mm-hmm they, they were able to pull from their little excursion here. So I just love the Nancy and Robin dream team. I'm so glad we I got more too. of it because I know we loved it so much last week. So then to get more, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I thought it was great. I, again, I, I, it's, I love that. Like this whole cast is so amazing and everyone seems to have this amazing chemistry that we haven't even gotten to see, you know, They've shared some screen time in season three, but we didn't get any one-offs with just them two until this season. And I'm loving it. Those two are great together. Yeah. I mean, Maya Hawk is just absolutely fantastic. And I know they were in my notes, too, that the speech that she gave was amazing. You know, I I was with her like you in that whole moment where, like, you want me to wear what? Because, you know, I'm a super cash girl. I don't wear things that, like, I can't even wear a turtleneck, you know, without feeling like I'm, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. No, just no. Uh, and and being restricted and shoes and just being restricted and tight and just uncomfortable. I, I'm with her. And just the weird awkwardness that she has, I feel like I can truly relate to just the weird social awkwardness that she has. And when she's like, you know, I... I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't just run. I'm uncoordinated. It it took me six months longer <laughs> to walk the other babies. <laughs> just oh, so good. cracking me up. I'm like, I love you so much, Robin. <laughs> she's just, mm-hmm. she's so honest and she's refreshing. And the way that she was like, I don't think she even took a breath during that entire speech. I was so captivated uh-huh. and she was so fully committed. I mean, it was amazing. And the way that she was able to throw in her real life personal frustrations in that moment, talking about how she's, you know, 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success irritated by what she's wearing and having to borrow the clothes um but then also interweaving you know this made-up kind of story as to why they're there and that they had put in their uh, applications or their requests and things was just absolutely beautiful and you can see that she's picked up this ability to kind of put on this acting um because she loves movies so much. She's a huge cinephile, right? Uh-huh. She loves movies. Yeah. And that she's able to pull from what she has seen from movies to be able to to act like that and, and pull this off, at least for a time being, until she slips up with the professor's name. But that's just Robin, you know, being awkward Robin uh, coming out. But yeah. And, and then that is also showing the brilliance of Maya Hawk and how she can act uh, someone uh, as someone in that role. I think she's absolutely yeah. brilliant, and you can definitely tell she's got those acting chops from her mom and pop. Uh, you know, d- yeah. she's she's brilliant and beautiful, and I just I I love her, and I hope she's around forever. Um, so yeah, really great pops to them. I, I'm I'm loving those two. They've got great chemistry. Yep. So yeah. That's all I got there. They're so good. So good. Um, <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to go ahead and talk about my last big one. And uh, that's Max. We're, yeah. We're going to get into it. Last one for me, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Save that one for the end, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel I like everything. Yeah. Everything has been leading up, up to this. You know, we talked about, you know, how we felt Max was next. She's experiencing the same headaches and symptoms. And we kind of come to the conclusion or Max comes to the conclusion. So we hear this uh, from her as they're starting to put the pieces together. She's reading those files from Chrissy and, uh, and from Fred and also connecting the dots with her own experiences, talking about this like countdown of like how much time she thinks she might have left. And it feels I'm getting some uh, ring vibes. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you get any of that at all from? Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a, a, a little bit. You know, when you watch the video, seven days till you die. Sorry if that's a spoiler for 
for anyone. Um, not the exact timeline here, but just where it's like, okay, they start experiencing symptoms around this time. And then like however many days later is when, when they died. So she's kind of figuring out she does not have a whole lot of time left. And she started uh, experiencing headaches around, you know, what, six days ago or something. Um, yeah. So she writes these letters and, you know, I, I'm, I know what she's doing and I'm just not getting good vibes from that at all, you know, because she just does not have any faith at all that she's going to come out of this. And I mean, looking mm-hmm. to see what happened with, with Fred and Chrissy and how, how can anyone possibly help, right? They, they, they seem so helpless, like nobody's going to be able to pull them back and prevent what's going to actually happen. And Max, of course, she's she's going through something. We've been talking about it since the premiere, how different Max is. You know, the whole group is like split apart. Even our, our, our group of kids there in Hawkins are split. You know, we've got Dustin and Mike in the Hellfire Club with a different group of people that they're hanging out with. Lucas is hanging out with the preppy kids and, and the jocks wanting to be in the popular crowd. And then Max is kind of left on her own. She's kind of distanced herself um, because of what she's going through. Um, so she's just feeling like she's not going to be able to come back from this and like nothing good happens to her. And I hate that this place that she's in, like she is feeling all of these things about what's happened with Billy. And I think that when she actually, like she's going through all the phases, same things that we were seeing with Chrissy and um, with Fred, where she starts seeing those hallucinations of Vecna. And then specifically, we... (laughs) Wow, um, it's it's difficult to even start talking about. You know, I thought I got all that out of my system before we started uh, recording and after I watched the episode a while ago. When she's reading that letter to Billy, she's written all these letters and mm-hmm. she's got one more letter and she can't hand it to anyone um, because the last one's for Billy and he's not alive. So she's going yeah. to go read it to him. And I don't have it in front of me. I don't think I could read it even if, even if I did. Um, oh, I, <laughs> I literally have a note. <laughs> Literally have a note that says, you know, Dear Billy, the letter Max wrote just to get these things off her chest. Quite emotional. So I thought about writing it down and reading it, but I don't think I could do that one justice. So I didn't go there either. I was like, I've done it before with some speeches mm-hmm. on this podcast. But I was mm-hmm. like, no, just leave this one to what it is. And if you need it, go back and watch it because it is powerful. But I was like, I don't think I could get through that one. Um. <laughs> I don't think I could either. I, th- I thought about it, but I'm like, I'm not going to be able to get through it. I was like, maybe Pake will have it because I know, like you said, you'll oftentimes uh, be able to repeat speeches. But um, I guess we're both on the same page. We're not going to be able to get through it. You can, I'm sure, go mm-hmm. go find the words or just rewatch it uh, if you like. Yeah. So she's she's reading that letter and you can we kind of get a little bit more insight as to Max's thoughts. I mean, I feel like we can kind of get the vibe of, of her mindset a little bit even before that. But this time we really get that clear picture. We get some of her inner thoughts as she's revealing that to Billy and she is in a really dark place and my heart is breaking for her. And as if she couldn't be more vulnerable, she then gets this vision of, I'm going to say Billy in quotes. Uh, we know we, we come mm. to find out it's not, but she sees Billy and I was losing it because um, I'm still kind of fresh off of my rewatch and the season three finale when we lost Billy. And I think yeah. that some of the feelings that 
Max was having are similar to uh, feelings that I had about what could have been like seeing Billy die, seeing like, what if things could have been different? You know, what if he had survived that moment? Could things have been different? Um, And I feel like that is, is because I feel in, in this where Max is at is like, she's not just mourning, Billy's sacrifice like look it we know that they could not stand each other Billy was absolutely atrocious to Max the way he treated her in season two uh and and they didn't have a whole lot of interaction because he was possessed by the mind flayer um in season three so they didn't have a whole lot of one-on-one interaction in season three but they hated each other and it was pretty mutual so there's no love lost there so she's not just like oh i miss my brother kind of thing like they had this super close relationship she's not not really mourning his sacrifice i don't think she's i mean i think that she is but i think it's more she's mourning the brother she could have had and yeah you know, because there was, I think, potential there. Like she said, you know, maybe we could have turned things around. Maybe we, things could have been different. Maybe you you could have been the brother, you know, a, a brother to me. Um, and that's, I think, what was sad. It's like, it's not, you're not just mourning what you didn't have. You're mourning what you could have had and what could have been between them. So going, seeing her go through all of that and then this vision of Billy coming back which side note I learned that because uh, you know we know that they filmed season four while uh, COVID was happening there was all the travel restrictions and protocols in place and Dacre Montgomery who plays Billy was in Australia he's from Australia and was in Australia when Mm -hmm. all of this occurred and since he could not fly over uh, due to the um, travel restrictions, he couldn't fly to, over here to film that while they were filming. They filmed it on a soundstage in Australia. And Sean Levy, oh, wow. uh, they got him in a soundstage in Australia. And they got him on Zoom. And Sean Levy directed him over Zoom and filmed that. Wow. <laughs> I mean. That's wild. The amazing things that they could do. I don't, And don't ask me how they were able to somehow intersect that with Max. I don't know if they had like a stand in for her and just showed like the back of her head and showed like the back of his head. And since they weren't actually there face to face, but either way they were not there together. Um, yeah. So geez, freaking movie and TV magic. But anyway, side note on yeah. that, but the fact that then he comes back and he's, and because we know that it was really Vecna and he has this insight into inner thoughts. We learn as he's saying, you know, it's like, you know, as he's speaking as Billy, um, he's like, you know, you're not really mourning me, but he's like, you wish you like you wanted to join me. So now we realize that not mm-hmm. only is Max, you know, she's going through this depression. She's having this, you know, she's battling these in, negative internal monologues but we also find out that she had thoughts of ending herself yeah and that's, that was rough yeah i think that is why this episode one of the big things about that this episode but like this whole sequence and these scenes and kind of the max plot of this story hits me so hard uh 
<clears throat> and so I have a, a couple little, little notes about that. Um, just, and it really comes from, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Lucas was able to say what he did to her before she went up there to, to read this letter Yeah, where he says, you know, I don't need a letter. I don't want a letter. I'm right here. We're right here. Talk to me, talk to your friends. Mm-hmm. And it was some pretty powerful stuff uh, because I think what Max is going through is this show giving a heavy representation of depression yes. and and what it can do to somebody uh this self-induced guilt and pity pushing people away that you love because you know you you can't accept that they can love you from where you're at mm-hmm. uh and, and pretty much just giving up and so this scene which I will talk a little bit more later we'll go into but mm-hmm. but yeah you get that that big final kind of showdown with Vecna or whatever in this episode. And it kind of is that mirroring that representation of depression is like, you know, before it's too late that the memories and the hope are brought back up and it's still one hell of a fight for her to be able to escape that darkness because she needed help. She was able to get help, uh, accept help. Yeah. And it wasn't then just like, Oh yeah, I I talked about it and now everything's fine and it's easy. No, like she had a, fight she was in a fucking battle and she was lucky to be able to escape and so i think yeah the the way that they handled that and you really see these you know similarities and between the kind of the story they're telling versus the underlying theme that they're telling it's it's powerful stuff hugely hugely powerful uh yeah when she she went yeah then Billy is revealed as as Vecna and she's running away and when she gets to I'm going to call it like his hideout I mean it looks like it's the uh, broken down of the that house that he's hiding in What uh, it looks like mm-hmm. Creel's house to me um, but it looks uh, you know torn down or whatever and you know she gets yeah. there and I I think in that moment as he's like, you know, it's it's time to join me, you know, there's nothing you can do when her friends are when they finally after it feels like hours find the freaking cassette tape. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, could you please just find the damn tape? Um when they finally are able to to find her favorite song and and start playing it and she hears it and they're like and he's just like they can't help you and he's of course trying to just keep her in that mindset to keep her in that negative Mm -hmm. mindset that she has had on on her own you know this this guilt that she has felt and this self-loathing and this shame uh, that she has felt he's trying to keep her in that headspace uh and as she then makes a decision to live and it Mm -hmm. was hugely powerful like you said she has uh been in this deep depressive state where she has just kind of pushed her her friends away not deserving of of love you know from them um and she's been spiraling uh i i think since since billy died uh and she she makes the decision to live and she starts fighting like you said she had a friggin battle to run to that opening this looks like a portal a gate what have you whatever you want to call it to get back to her friends and the, I mean, the 
friggin' fact that they had this song uh, playing at the same time was extremely powerful. You know. Um, oh yeah. You know, it was. It was, I think, just perfect that they used the, like what you said when when Robin and Nancy were at the insane asylum and they're talking about how music can reach a person, even an an unreachable kind of person. They can really kind of get to a, a place in their mind where other type of therapies can't and you know it it just it just rings perfect and true for me i know you and i are huge music fans we've talked a lot about music Mm -hmm. and the impact that it's had on our lives i can speak from personal experience that you know and 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 being able to relate to max especially in this episode i've 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 struggled with with depression Mm -hmm. and i've been in a very similar mindset and through times, difficult times in my life, music has really helped kind of helped me um, yeah. shift things for me. So music really means a lot to me. And the fact that they used music to help bring Max back uh, and, and kind of trigger these memories that she has. I mean, that was so beautiful for her to kind uh-huh. of go through this m- like tape in her head of those memories that she has with her friends, that there is something for her to live for. There's something for her to cling to these morsels of happiness and these memories, you know, that she can actually escape literal hell. And the fact that she's going through that and then combined with this song just broke me. I, yeah, I, 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 the exact same way. I just, I think somehow I managed to, cry even harder mm-hmm. the second time watching it just out of yes sheer it was it was just overwhelming emotion mm-hmm. like i don't even know what to call it cuz it's not that i was sad and it wasn't a happy situation it was just overwhelming emotion i think just again being able to relate yes to that mindset that she was in and i'm going to try not to cry just talking about it i know i'm with right you. now it's so you know uh man it was it was. It was really powerful. Yeah, it was just as the music is building and it's getting louder and louder and she's flashing through all of these memories and warm moments throughout the series that she's had with these friends, you know, and then that, that gives her that will to fight. She, I mean, she tears a fucking chunk out of his neck, you mm-hmm. know, whatever these like tentacles and stuff to get away. And then, yeah, she's just running towards the, the music, you know, running up that hill, uh, yep. you know, but yeah, for just... And it, you know, it continues to get louder and builds, and the drums build, and this crescendo. And she's, you know, she is. She's getting stronger with the music, and she's fighting to live. And things keep crashing down around her, but she keeps her eyes on the light and and focused on that escape. And I was just like, just bravo, I, you know, to the show, the writers, Sadie Sink, the, you know, the, the Duffers, the cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sadie Sink, uh, visual production, sound production, everything that went in together in perfection to create what might be one of the most incredible and moving things I have seen in television or film to this day. <laughs> like, yeah, like I was like, I could go on and on and on about this sequence and I could never do it justice. Just how, moving it really was to me yeah right and then there ending you. it with her coming back to them and them being like you're alive you're alive and her just saying i'm, I'm still, still here. here i'm still here. oh god, god i it broke me it <laughs> broke, broke me, me. <laughs> oh my god 
Yeah, I'm um, tearing up right now thinking of just, yeah, just yeah. that. that I'm her, trying to hold it together. <laughs> I, am, I am on the edge. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. I'm on the edge. I'm about to yeah. lose it. That I'm still here was <laughs> holy shit. Yep. It's, it's hard to articulate and to put into words because it's emotional and I'm not great with like yeah. translating my emotions at all. Um, right. I just feel I can't, I can't speak it. I can't, I can't tell you it just, it's feeling. Um, yeah, it was huge, huge. Uh, the, the amount of self-loathing and shame that she was feeling when she signed off her letter to Billy, your shitty little sister, Max, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that it just, it tells you where she's at you know, right there. And then yeah. that she was able to, you know, come, come back from that. And it was just absolutely beautiful, beautifully done. Uh, and I, I was honestly, look, I feel like we're getting super tense with these, uh, cause we know season five is, is, is it for stranger things. And here we are in season yeah. four. And I just honestly am feeling almost no one is safe. I was legit scared for max. I, I thought, Oh my God, she's cause I mean, isn't it like so common what you see when someone is getting right there? Like this person's going to be saved. They're right there. Oh, they just keep running and then they're right there. I swear I thought that that's it. Vecna's somehow going to get her, you know, right before she reaches Mm -hmm. uh, that portal back to her friends. Oh, my gosh. I was so scared. I was so like I'm crying all these emotions. I'm scared to death for for Max thinking she's not going to make it through. And I'm just you know, please just run, 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 run is all I can think and run harder and run faster, mm-hmm. man. She gave an amazing performance and yeah, yeah, all, all the emotions, um, kudos to everyone putting that together and how they, they, they mm-hmm. composed that whole, whole thing. They, they captured something there. Um, and, and like we said, music is extremely powerful and when you're in a tough situation. So I'm curious, what would your song be, Pake? Oh my god. Uh, I've seen that posted around when people have talked about this episode. I don't know because I mean there's so many different songs or different artists or different things that that mean so many that, different that, things. That mean, yeah, so it it really yeah, you kind it's of hard to pick. Depends. And I was like, I mean, I could try to, you know, I, I you know, if I, I was to try to kind of put myself into thinking about like that kind of really depressing mind state and what's what's a song that would pull me from something so dark and give me just a a, a desire to live life. Like, I don't know. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. There are a lot. It's out there. It's a, there's a lot out there. I, I was thinking about that and I, I came up with three. This is not um uh, like a final list by any means, but it was hard to pick just one because I thought, oh my gosh, I there's so so many songs. But a, a couple that I was able to come up with that at least um, without thinking on it for more than fifteen or twenty minutes, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Was one right. of them is "We Are the Champions" by Queen. I love that mm-hmm. song. That means I, I I'm a huge fan of Queen, and that song is very inspirational for me. Uh, another one and. Don't judge me, anyone, because I like all kinds of music. Um, but The Climb by Miley Cyrus. That mm-hmm. is hugely inspirational, I think, has a great, great message. And then another one that uh, I love is Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Right. Those are just a couple. I think, um, just 
just pulling one off. Uh, definitely, uh, I mean, people who know me well enough knows Twenty One Pilots is going to make that list. Uh, yeah, definitely. Holding on to you by Twenty One Pilots would probably be the first song I would pick on that list. That's yeah, nice. For sure. That's nice. Good choice. Because I've used it to, you know, you know, going, you know, with. I, I've, I've done work with with kids mm-hmm. in different, you know, hard places, kids that have dealt with, with social issues and problems and, and, and depression and anger and things. And that is a song that I have used to, to be able to pull a child that I was working with from the brink of things, like is is breaking down that song lyrically and, and talking to him about it. And then having in those moments where I could see he's teetering to be like, to, to quote it and to use it and to see him recognize and pull. So a lot that's of the, nice. I've, I've gone through that song. And so I think, I mean, that's definitely, you know, if any, I'm, I'm not going to go into it too much, but yeah. Um, holding on to you by 21 pilots. If people want to look at the lyrics of that song and see, I mean, that's what that song is about is taking control when you feel completely out of control of your, of your mind and of your emotions and then of, of your state and and being able to say no this this is my domain this is where i'm at you know and it's so yeah that one's definitely a powerful one i would have to pick that's nice that's a good choice uh well i'm curious all of our awesome strange indeed listeners uh i would love to hear what yours is you should write in and let us know what would your song be curious Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I think that's all I have to say about that. Because if I keep going, I will. I'll break yeah. down again. We don't need to cry <laughs> twice here on the podcast. Um, but I, I'm sitting here looking uh, at that quote, and I think I'm feeling inspiration to get "I'm still here" tattooed somewhere. That quote. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your? I don't know if you're into notes now, or if you're if you still have other points that you um, make. Yeah, I had like that last point, which was max mm-hmm. and i we talked about a lot of that um i'm gonna roll back over it and just see kind of what if anything i you know wanted to talk about it yeah, uh, yeah just little things like noticing because i did last week say you know i can just imagine she's sitting in that room in this trance and yeah we find out yeah she she was mm-hmm. and while she was sitting there she's seeing the clock on the wall and then when nancy and robin show up she kind of just fills everybody in like yeah yeah it's time to let them know here's the symptoms that's you know that what I'm going through and what Christy and Fred dealt with, everything's aligning. The time frame is not good for me. Um, and then she goes in, yeah, she writes these like they are goodbye letters to mm-hmm. everyone that she loves and cares about, you know, in case she doesn't make it. And again, that's freaking sad because like she just doesn't the the parallels of you know real life depression and mm-hmm. and when it feels like there's no hope. I mean, letter writing and trying to just connect to people and. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know. So I mean, yeah. I, you see those parallels right there with her writing letters to people, and then the scene with her and her mother in quotes. Ah, uh, yeah. That that scene was really hard for me to watch the second time, knowing what it was. Because mm-hmm. uh, she's having this this moment with very believable concern from her mother that ends up taking a very dark turn, you know, that nothing's going to happen, baby, mm-hmm. nothing you don't deserve. Oh, and that's so where creepy it takes that turn, you know, and then her mom's not letting go of her and then transforms into Vecna. And then her realizing her mom was never there, which is just making her feel even that more alone and isolated. 
it's chilling. It's honestly chilling. Yes. And it, it was knowing what it was. Like I said, it was hard to watch the second time. I was like, I don't know if I can do this again. Um, yeah. And then, I'm, you know, again, Lucas really being one that helped reach out to her there at a time she needed it, which was one of the big things that she held on to on that escape. Uh, but yeah, um, Steve's impatience was a good point. <laughs> this finally, yes. you know, he was able to catch in time to kind of get some help for her. Uh, so that's that's good. Uh, yeah, we talked about Billy and just how how sick that is of Egna to do that. Um, one of the fun, uh, you know, to go back to fun stuff, uh, the references. Talking about a lot of horror references, of course. You have the the point of this this, this villain is is somebody who haunts you through, you know, kind of dream states. Mm-hmm. And we have Robert England being, you know, oh. in here, Freddie himself in the episode. Kiss. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, they have that moment, you know, just going to these, like, slasher tropes. Having those, you know, of course the kid that's hunting down Eddie and now Dustin is named Jason. Where he says, we have more, better, bigger problems than Jason right now. Freddie? No. Uh, Vecna. Um, and then the last one, which is cool, is while... Uh, Max is in Vecna's kind of vision world thing when those red lights hit before it transforms into that underworld thing while she's still in the graveyard. Do you see the grave, the headstone that was sitting there when those red lights illuminate everything? The name on the headstone was Myers. Oh, shut up. Which is a really great reference, a really great little call no. out to that. <laughs> I think I was so swept up in the moment that I, I feel... I don't know. So maybe we got Freddie, Jason, and Mike Myers, Michael Myers references all in the same episode. Bananas. <laughs> I should have honestly probably given this like a third watch. Uh, even because right. even during the second watch, if I don't pick it up on the first watch, I normally pick up something on the second. But I still feel like this, because this episode was so friggin' emotional and took my mind on such a journey back and forth. That I, I've probably missed some details, so I, I really appreciate you picking that up because I totally missed out on that. Yeah. That's fantastic. I caught it on first watch. I was like, that says Myers. I was like, that's pretty. That's did cool. Not. Uh, I did not. But I'm so glad that you did. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 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 lucky for her that she travels around with all of her tapes in a bag with a cassette player and headphones. No kidding. Um, and then one thing you mentioned when she's kind of in this lair before she gets tired because she sees Chrissy and Fred down there. And I thought it was interesting, and maybe there's not – you don't need to look into it too much. But I did think it was interesting when Vecna is saying, you know, before do you want to join them or whatever. He goes, "What are, now what are you doing here? Why, where it was yes. – you know, he almost seems surprised. Yes. That she was there and not in a world he built for her. I'm I'm glad you picked up on that too. I'm curious how how did she get there? Why did she get there? What did obviously he didn't send her there. He seems to create, yeah, uh, and he's able to kind of make create and make this nightmare uh, custom for them. Yeah. And she got apparently somewhere he, like you said, was not prepared for her to go. Um, I'm yeah. not sure what happened there because it was like while they were there in the graveyard and it turned red and she started walking towards it. So I don't know if that's maybe a window to some some weakness or something. I don't know if mm-hmm. she'll have any insight now. I mean, it, it ended as she had just escaped from there. So we haven't yeah. had a chance to catch it was up. In that area, 
Yeah, that was in that area. She was able to hurt him, at least very briefly. Exactly. Enough for him to let go of her. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, I don't think he wanted her there. He was certainly surprised to see her there. I was curious about that, too. I made a note about that, too. Like, Mm. what... Where where was that? How did she get there? Why was Vecna surprised? It's more questions. I don't have answers. Right. And then, I don't know, that that was on that point. And then other random notes uh, thrown in some. Uh, when Lucas shows up at the school, Steve goes to investigate and he grabs the lamp, which just, I love Steve's unique choice of Steve. weapons. I guess there wasn't an ore anywhere nearby, so he's going for the lamp now. No bat with nails. He's got the lamp. But you know what? Right. What, what, what you got to love about Steve is that he is thinking. Like, he knows, you, like, <laughs> you, something weird is going on. You hear suspicious noises. You grab something to defend yourself. Everyone else is just kind of walking around right. or whatever. It's like he's, well, this is what I got. <laughs> he's armed with something. <laughs> I know. He's, he's got the lamp. And all I could think was, I love lamp. Was. <laughs> I love lamp. That's amazing. Yeah, um, I love lamp. Love lamp. Now, do you really love lamp? Or are you just saying? No. <laughs> you just looking around the room and seeing what's nearby. Um, uh, Erica, I loved a little bit getting her in this episode. Uh, she's yes. gone full in on the D and D stuff. She's painting mini figs, which it made me think of just like because I, I play D and D weekly, and my campaign that I'm in, we just recently added a friend of mine who's never played before that was curious about it. Well, that is so we cool. We jumped her in and like literally. Literally within like two weeks, she was like painting all of the mini figs. And so she even painted mine for me. She was like, just give me, she's like modifying them and painting them. She was like way into it, which is awesome. That is so a great cool. Great job online, by the way. Uh, I love it. You have to send and, us a pick. Yeah. And, and then Erica's sass with Jason being a little too pushy, but she doesn't back down. And it's like, well, we were supposed to go out later. Oh, go out? Yeah, that's definitely a step down. You're definitely a step down from Max. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, aren't you his little sister that plays D&D? What's it to you? Like, she's just so good. Like, I've been covering him, for, <laughs> covering for him for two or three days straight, whatever. It's like, any more covering and he's going to owe me a goddamn Nintendo with, with Duck, Duck Hunt. Hunt. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's oh like, man, God. I love Erica this episode. The little bit we got her. Um, Dustin's thinking cap was great. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so many good just the hat things. he was wearing this episode just says thinking cap on it yes right. dustin's got interesting choice in clothing that i usually really enjoy and then yeah joyce and murray talked about them a little bit uh yeah we see them she's trying to call the kids and it's not going through which i think is on purpose uh since the agents kind of have a lockdown there they probably have everything tapped and wired and not let calls come through in and out whatever uh but murray's rushing her to go see yuri and there's, I was trying to figure out if there's any significance on the like eagle and crest wallpaper that was in their motel room, but I couldn't find anything. Again, I wasn't going to look too deep because I'm terrified of searching anything Stranger Things related on Google, so I won't. Um, so I tried the like lowest level of like looking into that, and I was like, yeah, I don't see anything, so I give up. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure either. Yeah, I, you know what? I don't know. I'm, I could be wrong. But I'm wondering, I don't know if I fully believe Murray is asleep and knocked out by whatever drug that was passed on. I know he took a drink of the coffee, or it looked like he did, but I don't know. Murray is, he was not trusting of Yuri, and I'm I'm hoping that he didn't. I'm hoping he was faking out, Um, because I don't know. I'd be okay with Murray being the hero that saves the day. 
he deserves I'm okay it. with that. I'm all right. Give it, <laughs> give it to Murray. He's, he's smart. He's got his shit together. And he's, you know, where Joyce is a little bit more, I think, trusting. And, you know, I think, I think Murray wouldn't be. But that whole interaction between them, though, with, with Yuri as they're watching him, like, his little spiel. And then he slaps Joyce in the arm and whacks her up against Murray and then whacks Murray and then whacks Joyce again and just the <laughs> looks on their faces that whole just the whole thing with them is just yeah gold honestly it was so great yeah. but yeah I'm hoping hoping Murray was super even more super suspicious and did not drink the entirety of that coffee and is faking out to help get them out of the situation because I'm thinking it's it's pretty precarious i'm thinking god nothing is freaking going right you know hopper got caught at the church and surrounded by guards and and murray and joyce are incapacitated uh and and all it's just all going down how the hell are they getting out of it so i'm hoping murray is not it like he's just faking out um do you have any other notes I think that's it. That's all I've you, got. You covered my notes as well. I made it through. Yeah, we made it through. <laughs> made it through. Yeah, I think those were, were all good things. They're just skimming through here. And that was it's everything I've got, too. I don't, like I said, I'm I'm feeling a pretty emotional drain, so I don't think I could speak about it anymore anyway. Uh, having to relive um, this end scene there with Max was enough. Well, I think that was a great wrap-up. Uh, so again, yeah, as I made it through talking about that point <laughs> without crying, yeah. like I got a little teary, but I made it through maybe a little wavy in the voice. I don't know. We'll see. Check yeah, the tape. I, um, no, but I, yeah, but I made it through. I, I, cause I really wasn't sure I got done with the watch and was getting my notes together. And I was, I think I even texted you and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm getting my notes finalized. And I was like, we will see if I can be composed and make it through this. Um. <laughs> you, you made it through. I thought I got it out of my system during that second watch right before because I literally just blown my nose and wiped my face uh, about five minutes before mm-hmm. we started recording. And I thought, okay, good. Get it out of your system. Then that way you're not going to be, uh, you know, bursting out with emotion. And uh, I did anyway. So... Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, So, again, like we've said, uh, I'm not covering any news at the moment. I am probably, just because we're probably going to be rolling right into, like, there's not going to be a break for us. We're going to keep recording week by week. And so the two-week break that you guys are going to experience, or I guess it's longer than two weeks. I'm thinking, I don't know, why am I thinking two weeks? I don't know where I'm getting that from. I'm covering too many podcasts. But either way, the break for you guys is not going to be... Yeah, I think there's more like a... Yeah, it was like a month or something between, but then still, I think by the time we hit episode eight, it will already have been out, and we'll be back to trying to avoid spoilers. Right. So uh, <laughs> soon, up, in, up until we, we cover, uh, we're probably not going to be covering any until the final episode. We'll come back to you know maybe some Easter eggs or more meaningful uh, insight into the episode. So if you guys are curious and you've watched uh, and you have nothing left to be spoiled about feel free to go with those things up we're going to refrain from that um anyway though Mm -hmm. we did get a lot of listener feedback again uh you guys are killing it with the feedback so appreciative um pape do you mind taking the first one all right this is from lara willie swink who says always the goddamn babysitter no steve harrington you are the best goddamn babysitter (laughs) no one dives on steve's nanny watch I was so worried for Max. I don't think she or anyone else in Hawkins is out of the woods yet, but at least she didn't become a permanent fixture in Vecna's demon realm. It seems like guilt is the emotion that is calling Vecna to his victims. 
Max's guilt over Billy, and Victor's guilt in calling for a war bombing that obviously took innocent lives. Which really makes me worry for Eleven, who seems to be struggling hard with her own guilt right now. And just when I felt like Hopper Prisoner Exchange was going to succeed, everything got turned inside out. Not sure how all our heroes got out of this one. Lastly, Stranger Things kickstarting a Kate Bush resurgence. Yes, please. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy for Kate Bush, who's, you know, kind of getting to see her music top uh, the charts again. That's got to be yeah. thrilling. Thanks, Laura. Don Elizabeth says, I can't wait for Hopper to get rescued, but geez, he sure is going through a lot. What exactly did he do to his leg to get out of the cuffs, yet have them appear to still be locked? He seems to be getting around okay, so I don't think uh, he had his foot or ankle broken. I'm interested in your ideas on this. That foot is pretty gross. I'm so glad that Lucas is back with the gang and is trying to, uh, or just trying so hard to get Max to trust him again. I thought that Robin and Nancy's academic outfits were hysterical. I would feel just like Robin if I was dressed like that. And I loved her spiel to get them into the mental hospital. That girl has hidden talents. I don't think this was important, but what did Hatch pick up and put in his pocket when he was giving the girls the tour? It was good to get Victor Creel's backstory, and now I know the answer to where Vecna's mansion is. I love seeing Sam from Ozark in this show. Good surprise. I hadn't seen him in anything before and wonder where else he will show up. It was great to see Will and Mike getting close again. I was feeling really bad that they were having trouble with each other, as I can remember being that age and being in that kind of situation. It was very intense when Max was hallucinating in the gra- graveyard, but I thought the scene of her going into the red fog was terrific, even while I was yelling at her not to go in there. Thank goodness her friends got her back. Old friends are the best friends. I agree. Nice. Um, I think we talked a little bit about it last right. week as far as Hopper's foot. I was just kind of looking over her feedback yeah. really quick. I, I think you had theorized that it wasn't necessary, like that they weren't really hitting his foot, but maybe more the shackles to bend yeah. them in a way that he would be able to slip him. Although, obviously, his foot took still some damage. I, a lot of pain. Yeah. Still some major bruising at the middle. I mean, and I think that's still a theory. I don't know that we know for sure that that's what it is. I mean, I think if he did have his foot or ankle broken, uh, Maybe he did just to help give a little bit of give. That sounds so gross, but broken bones or, oh God, I just can't even say it. I can't even say it because it's just so icky. I'm not entirely sure, honestly, Don. I think that's just a theory that we're going on. Um, And you mentioned Lucas. I did want to mention Lucas. Like our boy Lucas came through. I had some doubt in him early on in the season. And boy, that he came through for Max. And I was so proud of him for telling her like i'm here talk to me don't you know don't i don't want a letter talk to me i'm here and that he was really there for max that was beautiful um so yeah yeah. um thank you don appreciate that yes this one um i think it's tiffany Mm -hmm. the bolt i think so uh yeah uh anyone else spotted the kate bush poster in the church when hopper woke up can't wait to listen to the podcast quick one but i don't i did not see that one i don't think i didn't see that either i know you mentioned the elvira poster in the church i saw the elvira one but i i, I would believe there's probably a kate, that would be quite a, a fun wouldn't that be hilarious i guess like maybe i should go back and look but i'm like man i don't know if i can do this episode again so so soon um at, at any i'd <laughs> have to i'd but, have to completely avoid yeah, some uh, scenes for sure to do a rewatch i think so soon yeah that's really interesting. I don't know. We'll have to go back there, and, yeah. and look. Or maybe once we're able to look things up. 
<laughs> uh, Emily Rouse says, I know everyone talks about plot armor, but I was legit scared Max would die. The boys watching out for her was cute, and I guess we shouldn't have worried about Lucas. At heart, he's a good person. So Joyce goes out of town and all hell breaks loose. I think the buyer's house gets trashed every season, LOL. Well, actually, last year it was <laughs> Hopper's Cabin. Uh, Steve gets beat up every season, too, so still waiting. Oh, and the agent who answered the door should have checked before opening it. Big mistake. Russia's storyline is dragging for me. Murray and Joyce are fun, but just save Hopper already. It was cool to see Robert England as Victor, especially since Vecna has serious Freddy Krueger vibes uh, with those long, sharp fingers. And if Black Windows, or sorry, Black Widows, start pouring out of your drains, burn the house to the ground. Easy peasy. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> yeah. All right. Lindsay Schlicht says, damn, what an episode. Where to start? I'm so glad Max, mostly, told her friends absolutely everything. Normal storytelling. The person in peril never tells anyone what's going on. Max trusting her pals is so much more realistic and likely what saved her in that badass final scene. Robin and Nancy in the asylum were straight out of Silence of the Lambs, especially when they're walking down the creepy walkway, listening to the rules while prisoners pace their cells. I love how well this show draws parallels to pop culture. Robert England playing Victor was a nice touch, although it was really hard to take the younger version of him seriously after pinching Ozark. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we went through so much with Hopper, Joyce Murray, and Jockin. He'll always be Jockin to me. <laughs> they were all caught again. Was really not expecting a Pulp Fiction shootout at the buyer's house. <clears throat> that was nuts. This ending sequence was maybe my favorite of the entire series so far. It was visually beautiful and terrifying. The actress who played Max killed it, and the final few seconds of her running had me so tense. I was sure we were going to lose her. Evecna really is some kind of metaphor for depression. The idea that music could be a link back to the real world is some really beautiful writing and a huge part of why I love this. Can't believe I forgot to mention Erica and the dumb jocks interaction at the door was TV perfection. Erica needs to be a series regular. <laughs> I agree. She's great. Thank you, Lindsay. Penny Lennox says that running up that hill scene is one of the most beautiful sequences I've ever seen. They should teach it in film schools as an example of effective use of music and editing, along with the immigrant song yes. Battles in Thor Ragnarok. Mm. I agree. Okay, uh, we also got a couple of emails too. I just, I know um, you can read this next one, but I just want to uh, mention it's not so much directly about the episode, but I thought this was some interesting insight. Um, and I had asked permission to, um, to read it on the podcast, and she said yes. All right. So this one comes from Zarina. Says just to briefly introduce myself, I am Zarina. I'm originally from Russia, but have been in NorCal. Res I've been a NorCal resident for the past twelve years. I started listening to Strange Indeed only recently on my pre-season four rewatch of Stranger Things. Since then, I just kept listening because many of the shows you covered are in my favorites list. I've binged season four already. Sorry, but I'm not going to spoil things. Don't worry. I have an overall comment, and it's not about the plot. I think Stranger Things should be given an award for best foreign language integration of all times. I speak both languages fluently, and to be honest, for the most part, many shows and movie productions fail at it miserably. I'm so pleased to hear that someone actually took a second to care about the authenticity of the foreign languages they utilize. I always wondered, is there a shortage of foreign speakers in the U.S.? I just had to publicly acknowledge and praise Stranger Things for taking the language seriously and for making Jock and Hagar speak some proper Russian. Thanks for the pod. Warmly, Zarina. 
I love it. I thought that was lovely. It was. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. yeah, I just thought it was good to kind of call that out because obviously I couldn't tell you if they are speaking a proper Russian. You know, if if you throw out a foreign language at me, uh, I'm going to believe that that's what the hell right. it is. I'm reading the proper. subtitles going, yep, sure. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea if it's if it's proper uh, language that they're speaking, whether it be Russian or, or whatever language um, or proper dialect or, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I'm just like, OK, yep, I got gotcha. you. So it's it's nice that it sounds like that Stranger Things uh takes the special care to get it right. So again, they're, I, I think we've mentioned many times their attention to detail, and it sounds like that it's not just with other things, attention to, to detail, but it's also the language. So kudos to whoever's in charge of that. And it's nice to hear it from someone who actually does speak the language um, from, from a source. So thank you for that email. That was really great. Um, I hope, Zarina, that you will... Uh, write into us since you've already already binged. If you want to uh, send us some feedback at, at the end, when we get to the end of the this season, love to hear what you think. Think about it. <clears throat> We've got another email from Pake's other co-host and my good friend Daphne. She says, "Hi Rima and Pake, what an episode! It's hard to put into words my thoughts on this one, but I'll try." I think this might be one of the best episodes of the series ever because of the symbolism, Vecna and depression. The whole sequence of events with Max at Billy's grave and reading the letter to him was heartbreaking. Her wanting to go, go at it alone, understandable. Her, her wanting to go it alone is understandable. Sorry. And it showed how she continues to pull away from those who care about her. Who can blame her? She watched her brother die and she can't tell anyone what really happened. It's sad because she pushes away the people who she can confide and connect to about the situation. Navigating a depressive state is grueling and watching her interact with Vecna, who utilizes her dead brother's form to try to get further into her head, is a reminder slash metaphor for how depression can pull you away from the people you love. Even when you know it's happening, you can't stop it. It's often easier to give in than to fight, but Max does just that when she sees her friends and hears her favorite song. All of the happiest memories are going through her head, and they give her the reason to fight back against Vecna. It can sometimes just take one person telling you that they're there, Lucas, that can make the difference to someone who is spiraling down, and no one should underestimate the power you have to help ground someone. My MVPs for the season continue to be Max for showing strength in the face of terror, and Nancy for for her ingenuity and innovative ideas and the links she will go to in order to get answers that will get to the bottom of things. So much of this show has been about how Elle has saved the world and the season. I think it's shifted to the others and given the characters an opportunity to shine. Looking forward to your thoughts and Remus theories. This episode made me think of the Final Destination film series and how death could skip you. What happens to Max now and will Vecna go to his next victim, a.k.a. Patrick? Also, I think the counselor is connected to this. Daphne. Yeah, that's that made me... I, thank you, Daphne, for calling that out. I, I thought that too. I was like, "Does Vecna just now forget about Max?" Oh darn, she got yeah, away. I mean, I'll move on to the next. Yeah, because we see that Victor was kind of pulled out from Vecna's mm-hmm. grasp the same way with the music, and then he's still alive. So, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I mean, I don't know if I mean does that? I don't think there was like a magical. I think, I think. Max is probably on her way to healing, maybe from where she's at. But there's not like a flip, a switch that's flipped. 
you know, like she's right. still going to have to work on her thoughts and her feelings for her depression to begin with. I mean, that doesn't just go away. Um, I think that there right. was probably something inside her that changed because she did decide to live and she didn't continue to spiral. But I think she's still going to be dealing with the feelings that she was feeling that the shame and the guilt and be able to talk about them. Victor Creel still seemed to be spiraling in his shame and his guilt of over everything that's happened in his life. But yet Vecna left him alone. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm curious too. Yeah, I was thinking about Final Destination too, a little bit about um, what happens to Max now. And does he move on to the next? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, we'll have to watch and find out. I can't. I can't wait. Yeah. We did get a couple of voicemails, too. So I'm going to bring those up. The first one that we have is from our good friend, Greg. Okay. Let's see what Greg has to say. Hello, strange indeed. This is Greg. Well, if you had any question of the impact of The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones on mainstream television, look no further than this episode of Stranger Things. Fifteen years ago, there is no way that a young female character would have been folded, broken, bent, and her eyes sucked into her head. But by God, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. It is a little shocking how well the the writing and the tension was ramped up to the point where I, honest to God, when it looked like she was safe, I thought she was a goner. I am thoroughly grateful I didn't see Sadie Sink or Max done that way. Uh, And it was... Absolutely terrifying. All right, look forward to the podcast. Bye. I'm I'm with you, Greg. I don't yeah. I don't think I would have recovered. It was impactful enough, but if we'd had to see Max go through what Chrissy and Fred had been through, um, that would have been devastating. Yeah, the text might have been different. It'd been like. I don't think we're doing this show anymore. It might yeah. be the text you got instead. We're, um. <laughs> sorry, listeners. We're tapping out of this episode this week. We're just going to move on to the next uh. one. Uh. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I would have been able to, to, to handle that. I'm with you, Greg. All right. We also got another voice message from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hey, Strange Indeed, this is Steve, and I uh, just started episode four, but I saw you may have already recorded for it, so I may just uh, skip over to episode, or watch this, and then go to episode five uh, to do a live Steve, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get caught back up with you guys. I love Steve. I could have taken you out with this lamp. (laughs) A monster that appears every 30 years and kills, yeah, very Stephen King-like. Did they ever explain where they were able to get, how much is the ransom, $40,000, 50? I don't remember. Is Hopper walking on his broken foot? Well, that's right. I forgot. The buyers are in California or somewhere else. And, and uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, yeah, he's visiting. Right, Mike is visiting. Wow, Robin, that was quite a monologue. Well, that's one way to escape your Russian gulag. Man, Hopper, no shoes though. Very diehard esque. He's got a Jaws poster on his wall. Oh, not the pizza guy. <laughs> Argyle. <laughs> 
Oh, peanut butter. Hopper found the mother load. Is that an Elvira Mistress of the Dark poster on the on the wall there next to him? Oh no, this double cross by Yuri. Oh, I definitely did not see that coming. Are the Russians just gonna kill him? Oh, Robert England as Victor Creel. Great. Oh, dear Billy, she said the title of the episode, Mic Drop. Oh, I got a little choked up with Max's letter to Billy. Oh, no, but now it seems like Vecna's coming for her. Oh, man, they got to get to the car in time and tell them to play some music for uh, Max, right? It's got to happen. <laughs> this is so tense right now. Huh, Kate Bush song. Okay. Well, at least they didn't make us wait until the next episode to see if she gets out. It's with Robert England right there at the very end. Okay, I'm going to wait um, to watch episode five um, until I hear you guys' podcast. Talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. That was great as always. Love, love your live, Steving. <laughs> and sticking with us. Love to hear yeah. it. And. Yeah, I also agree because I remember the first time. Yeah, where she's like about to leave, and then it cuts to black. Oh my god! And I was like, "If you fucking leave you... me there!" But then they did. They cut back to her dropping from the sky. I was like, "Oh my god! Thank you, thank you." I was about to lose my shit. Please don't, please don't do that to to us because knowing we couldn't watch. For, oh, uh-huh. god, oh my god, that'd have been too much. Wow. Uh, you guys had some great things to say. As always, you never disappoint. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, everyone, for sticking with us week by week or if you're binging and leaving your, your feedback as you're watching. And, and uh, you know, thank you for, for writing in and letting us know um, how, you know, how much th- this show impacts you um, as it does us. I, it makes me feel a little, little less alone uh, in the world. Um, so yes, there are posts out there. Just FYI, again, I'll repeat myself. If you've already binged it, um, you should see posts for all first seven episodes that are available at the moment. I'll put up the last two once they're released. Um, if you've already watched, go out there and leave us um, uh, some feedback on those posts, or you can email us. You can call and leave a voice message and email it to us. Uh, love to hear what you guys have to say, even if it's for a past episode. So thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. Um, we are excited for you to follow us to Hawkins, Indiana, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com, and you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at Podcastica.com, and go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. So many great podcasts on Podcastica. Please check out the website and you're going to find something for everyone. Um, There's a lot out now that's being covered and there's a lot coming. I mean, Mm -hmm. holy hell, we are getting slammed um, with all these shows coming out at one time and in succession. Um, We're all very busy. Uh, So there's a lot to come. So you know, keep checking out Podcastica. Find some great shows today. You'll find even more coming uh, soon in the next coming months. Um, and speaking of great podcasts, make sure you check out Pake and Daphne and their podcast called Run for Your Lives. Mm-hmm. What have you guys got going on this week? I'm dying All to right. hear. We are doing, we did it first season, 
or last season for the first time, we did a double dip where we kind of looked at two different versions of a movie. We did both Dawn of the Dead movies. Uh, so this season's double nice. dip we're starting with our first movie. We are doing the 2008 Swedish film, Let the Right One In. So, I've heard so many good things about that yeah, one. It, I need to watch it. Great. I think it's on Hulu right now. You want to check it out and then oh, let us okay, okay. know anything of your thoughts. Okay. Um, Add to the list. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, some kind of a, I say it's 2008. So, if you can call it 2008 classic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to make me feel even older know, right, right. <laughs> But I mean, it's a good, it's a great uh, it's vampire stuff. I know you like vampire stuff. So I do. I love vampire stuff. One, which means then. Next week will be the the second part of that double dip, which will be the American remake from 2010, I believe. Uh, it's just called Let Me In. But yeah, so we're jumping into those, kind of breaking awesome. the first one down this week. And then we'll do a little bit more compare and contrast and break down the second movie next week. So yeah, those are always fun. I like the double dips and this is a good one to, to go into. A foreign film that uh, touches on a lot of, you know, covered this episode of stranger things talking about some really heavy uh things and themes yeah we definitely that movie also very heavy on some thematic elements so yeah it's a good one i had a lot of fun with that one that's awesome um i, I want to also mention um talking about great podcasts i Several weeks ago, um, I need to share the link um, or share share it on our Facebook page. I recorded with our mutual friend Damien on his Watched It in the 80s podcast. We covered Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I covered Top Gun with our f- friend Mark uh, last year also. Uh, uh, clearly, I'm a Top Gun fan. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I was on two different podcasts about it. Um, but I covered it with our friend Mark on his podcast, Adrenaline uh, Cinema um, podcast, and then a few weeks back with Damien on his Watch It in the Eighties podcast, and then we did a collaborative effort covering Top Gun Maverick um, that should be released. I don't know, and it, I guess it depends on when we release this episode, when they publish their episodes. I think they're going to be published this week. I'll be sure to share the link for that. But that was super fun covering uh, that movie with Mark and Damien. A nice. big fan of Top Gun Maverick. If you haven't seen it. I highly, highly recommend it, especially if you are a fan um, of the original. I don't think you have to be to enjoy it, but of course, it always adds a nice little extra cherry on top if, yeah. if you're a fan. So I wanted to be sure to to call that out um, because that was great fun. And it was, um, you know, I'm really grateful that they allowed me um, the opportunity to talk about it because, man, after seeing it, I, I couldn't hold it in. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about it. So thank you, Mark and Damien, for that. I'll be sure to um, share that once it's out and they have it published. Um, Well, for us here on Strange Indeed, our next episode will be covering Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 5, Chapter 5, The Nina Project. Not a clue. I don't have a clue. clue I'm I'm fine with it. (laughs) This one's a little bit more vague than this episode when we got the title. I I still didn't know what it was about, but I felt like it was very, I thought, oh shit, it's going to take me somewhere. It's going to, I'm sure emotionally. Um, But I don't know what that means and I'm okay with that, but we're going to find out as soon as we're done recording here. (laughs) Yes. So can't wait for that. I have to order some uh, bacon and pineapple pizza. For my watch. We'll see. <laughs> you should. You should absolutely do that in honor of. Yeah. 
And then you can just let me know how it is because I probably will never know. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it's good. <laughs> I'll take your word. <laughs> uh, well, all right. That is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Kate. And Zarina from Russia is strange indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.